This is a Soul Fire production. Are you ready to enhance your sexual, erotic, and relational intelligence? Welcome to Higher Sex, where we take sex education to the next level. Come here to get curious about sex and cultivate acceptance, deep love, and intimacy. No topic is too hot to handle. As a psychotherapist and sexologist, Kelly playfully leads listeners through worlds of informative and actionable sex education, personal stories from her inspirational guests, and leading edge research from trusted experts. Higher sex is scandalous and explorative, leaving you wanting more. Let's keep this conversation going. Subscribe today so you don't miss out on these hot new episodes each week. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Higher Sex. I am pumped to have Joe Flannery back on the show. She is one of my best friends. She's an amazing sexologist and licensed marriage and family therapist and has a thriving therapy practice in Chicago, and she specializes in desire discrepancy. So today we are going to be going over three different ways to engage in sex. So one is where people start with arousal and then desire follows. Number two would be people start with desire and then arousal follows. Number three, others start with a willingness and openness, but they do not experience arousal or desire to start with. So they might have that willingness and openness to engage in physical intimacy and desire arousal has the potential to show up later on. So Joe's going to be covering the importance of context to set yourself up for success to cultivate desire when you're more focused on being open and willing to engage in physical intimacy because context really allows you to change the mood, change the energy, energy, and then hopefully suddenly or gradually you could be into it. So we're going to be talking about different aspects of context, such as mental and physical well-being, relationship characteristics, setting and the environment, partner characteristics, other life circumstances, and then also things you can do to spice up the eroticism within your relationship. Stick around. I hope you get a lot out of today's episode. Joe, Joe Bag, welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. Couldn't stay away. Can't keep me away. <laughs> Never. I'm so excited to have you back to continue the conversation around desire discrepancy because you are the master in that field. Mm-hmm. And then we are going to be moving into talking about some different ways that people can work towards closing the discrepancy and to activate yeah. some of their sexual desire. Let's do it. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so can you do a recap about what desire discrepancy is and how common mm-hmm. it is? So sexual desire discrepancy in long term relationships is super, super common. It happens in quote unquote normal and healthy relationships. Um, It can be attributed to a life change, something going on um, if someone's changing jobs or there's a new life stressor or if there's a stressor in the relationship. Um, There can be a lot of different reasons for um, sexual desire discrepancy. And so desire discrepancy is basically when one person wants sex more or differently than the other person or people in the relationship. And that's something that you see in your practice a lot. I know I see it in mine as well because it's very, very common. And if it goes on too long, it can cause a lot of distress in the relationship where people can just feel like, how do we get out of this? We've been stuck here for so long and it can start to bleed into other areas of the relationship. 
unfortunately, yes. Like it's one of the topics that can really become like one of those minefield topics that you can't go anywhere near or else, you know, there's going to be a huge blow up or it's going to be some um, like really painful conversation, you know, something really deep and intimate. And it can really be felt as a, a grave loss in a relationship. You know, if someone has that experience of having really intimate sex with their partner, feeling like close, and then all of a sudden or even gradually that doesn't happen anymore, then that person really misses their partner and they miss that closeness that they had. So yeah, so desire discrepancy is very common and it really runs the gamut of it can be kind of mild to to moderate to severe. Yeah, and I can imagine that, um, and I think we touched on this before, where it can lead to feeling rejected, where your partner's rejecting you. Mm-hmm. And even on the other side, like it, sex could start to feel like a chore, like I need to mm-hmm. do this or we're going to fight. And so then mm-hmm. it's, you're doing it for not necessarily for fun or for pleasure or for intimacy, but to scratch it off the to-do list. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and if you're having sex for, you know, just to alleviate those like more negative um, repercussions... That's not necessarily the best for sexual motivation because then if you have sex and you're not you're not really into it, you don't really like it, you're just doing it to kind of check it off the list, like you were saying. Um, it's not that's not that great of an experience to motivate you to have sex for the the next time that you that you want to have sex. Um, and so you know when you have sex, it should be because. Um, you know, you want to, there's something drawing you there. There's something that's going to feel good for you either emotionally or physically and not necessarily just to alleviate those, like those negative feelings. Mm-hmm. For the recap, Joe. Yeah, death. <laughs> okay. So a lot of times when we talk about this, or at least we, when we meet with partners who are experiencing this, we talk about what have you done up until now to try to overcome this or work through this or close the gap with mm-hmm. desire discrepancy. So what are some things that people tend to try? Yeah. So people try, um, they'll try date nights. They'll try kind of sharing fantasies, maybe sex toys. They'll try kind of just different things to spice it up. That's what I see a lot is like people will do date nights, try to get into more of a a sexy place physically and and emotionally with a partner and try to like spice things up. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say that, you know, we've talked about before about accelerators and breaks and how people will tend to focus on the accelerators, like lighting candles, setting the mood, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But if your foot's on the brakes, which is, you know, heightened stress, anxiety, lack of sleep, all that sort of stuff or conflict in the relationship, then you're not going to get very far with the accelerator. So I agree. I find that sometimes when people come into the office, the virtual office, that they've really focused on the accelerator. So those toys and date nights, vacations, um, all those sorts of things. So what would you say is the best place to start in terms of broaching this type of conversation around desire discrepancy? Mm -hmm. And so if people have tried things that are more like surface level, like, you know, the toys, the date nights, like that kind of stuff, and it's not really working. And then, you know, they, they want to level up, they want to start really being honest and vulnerable with their partner and working on an intimacy that doesn't come from only date nights, but comes from date nights plus, right? So date nights plus those hard conversations, Um, Plus looking at themselves and what they're bringing into the relationship, you know, sexually and desire wise, but also how are they showing up in the relationship kind of day to day? Is that something, you know, is the relationship a place that they're happy in? Um, Same thing about their partner or partners. And so, you know, the best place to start is really the the harder places. If if those more um, level one things are not working, like the toys and the date nights and that stuff, um, then you really have to level up and go to the, that, 
that tougher place of like the honesty, the vulnerability, and that's when the true intimacy can be shared. Yeah. And changing the course of the direction of your relationship, right? So it's like, if you've talked about things one way for so long, how can you really open up, be vulnerable and even express, you know, those erogenous zones are no longer erogenous for me or the types Mm -hmm. of sex we were having just isn't cutting it for me or even expressing, you know, I miss you, not necessarily miss sex. So having... Mm -hmm deeper, more profound conversations. That's right. And and self-reflecting so you can have those conversations. Oh yeah. It's all about self-awareness, Ooh, self-reflection, mm-hmm. getting in deep with yourself first. <laughs> so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so what are some of the different ways that people can engage with sex? Because I know so often people just be waiting to feel like that spontaneous desire, right? And then in long-term relationships, some people can be waiting for a very long time and where it just doesn't present itself. That's That's right. That's right. And so there are different ways to engage in sex. One is led by, you know, the more physical state. And so that's when someone feels arousal and then they act on the arousal and then sexual desire follows. Um, Some people start feeling that more spontaneous sexual desire. So that means that they have a fantasy or they smell something or they see something that's like really making them feel that life affirming feeling of sexual desire. And it's, you know, that spontaneous sexual desire kind of on the spot. And then they engage with that sexual desire and then, and then arouse follows. And then the last way to engage in sex that we have here is that more responsive sexual desire. And so responsive sexual desire comes when a person um, is, you know, proposed with sex and they, they stop and they think for a minute, like, okay, I don't feel sexual desire right now, but you know, I'm enjoying spending time with my partner. Um, I do want to feel physically close to them and, and emotionally close to them. So, okay, let me go ahead and try to start to engage in foreplay with them and see what happens. Um, and after they engage after they're willing to engage in foreplay, you know, they're in the appropriate context, like the appropriate sexual stimuli, and then they start to feel arousal and then they'll feel that um, responsive sexual desire that follows arousal. And so it's really the willingness to be engaged and focusing on the appropriate um, context for them and uh, sexual stimuli and then arousal and responsive sexual desire follows. And so, yeah, so those are the, the three ways to engage in sex. Okay. So to recap, number one, it can start with arousal where you feel that in your groin. Mm-hmm. Number two is it can start with that spontaneous desire or longing for sex. Something could spark that. And the other one is just your openness and willingness to be neutral and then see if either desire or arousal presents itself later on. Yeah. After you start to engage Engage. in foreplay. Yeah. Start to engage in foreplay. You could start to feel like, okay, I'm getting into this and desire presents Mm -hmm. itself. Or all of a sudden you start to become physically aroused Mm -hmm. and desire will follow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you did touch on what could be helpful with um, being open and willing to engage in sex. Because mm-hmm. number one and two, it's quite easy, right? Because it's like you're having this physiological response and you can follow that and go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens more spontaneous. But if you're living a really full, busy lifestyle, sometimes that's not always the case. And a lot of times that's not even the case for a lot of people in longer term relationships, particularly right. with all the owners. That's right. And so we tend to encourage trying to get people from avoiding sex or an aversion to sex to feeling neutral mm-hmm. and then figuring out how to have this openness and willingness. And so something that you touched on was the context and paying attention to creating a context in order to lower your defenses and feel more open and willing to engage in physical intimacy. Well said. Well, so I'm just recapping what you're saying, Joe. <laughs> how, how come it sounds so much better when you say it? Huh? <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so when we're talking about context, we're talking about changing the mood, changing the energy, because then you can be into it potentially. So something that I always like to talk about is if you don't like running, but you want to go for a run, you might not pick a day where it's raining outside. You might look at the weather and figure out and plot it out. So you're going to go when it's like sunnier out and you can have a little bit more vitamin D going, feel like you're looking forward to being outside, at least in the sun. So changing the context is what we're talking about when we move into talking about context to enhance sexual desire. That's right. So some aspects of context could be, just to recap, our mental and physical well-being is one, relationship characteristics being two, setting and environment being three, partner characteristics being another contributing context, other life circumstances, and then also things that you can do to change the context. So I'm going to cover mental and physical well-being. So that one involves taking care of yourself. So that's your body image, your relationship with your body, your overall health. Do you have any, like, um, are you a smoker? Do you have diabetes? Like, you have anxiety, depression. All these things are going to contribute to your overall physical and mental well-being. High stress job, financial stress, all those sorts of things, as well as sexual functioning. So are you able to become aroused? You're able to have vaginal lubrication or, or an erection or, or do you experience with erectile dysfunction or rapid ejaculation or vaginismus where there's pain during sex? So one context that you could pay attention to is how is your uh, mental well-being? Because a lot of times lack of sex or low desire can be a symptom of something else going on. So paying attention to how you talk about your body and nourish your body with sleep, water, hugs, physical affection, nutrients, exercise, movement, how do you take care of your mental health as well as your sexual functioning as well. Anything to add there, Joe? No, I thought that was good. I thought that was really good. And then another aspect of the context that we're talking about is characteristics of the relationship that you're in. And so the person that you are going to have sex with, um, the context of that relationship matters. Is there trust within the relationship? Um, What is the power dynamic? Does that feel like there's a balance in the power dynamic? What is the emotional connection like? Does it feel like an easy emotional connection? Does it feel like something, um, an emotional connection where you feel supported, where you feel safe? Do you feel desired? Do you feel desired in this relationship? Feeling desired is a big, um, you know, plays a big part in people wanting to have sex. And then the frequency of sex, is that something that is a problem in the relationship? Is it something that, you know, is like free flowing and happening just kind of to satisfy or, you know, does it satisfy both partners? So I guess is it a problem or is it not? Um, and these things all play into the context of sex, right? So how your relationship feels and if you feel supported in that relationship, if you feel safe in that relationship, if you feel like there's trust in the relationship, those are all aspects that are going to lend themselves to be willing and feel comfortable and supported to engage in sex. If there are trust issues, if the power dynamic feels off and it feels kind of icky, those are things that you can work on in the relationship. It's not necessarily a problem. It just could be something that is inhibiting you from, you know, moving forward to trying to have sex. Yep. And being open to that window of willingness or openness Mm -hmm. to see, right? Yeah. Right. Right. To feel open. Yeah. Um, So moving on to setting your environment is also very important. 
important. So a lot of times people talk about having better sex when they're on vacation, right? Because they're not around all those tasks, roles, responsibilities, like Mm -hmm. piles of laundry everywhere, unloading the dishwasher, making all your meals, those sorts of things. It can be really important to pay attention to your setting and how you're feeling. So if you're living in a chaotic environment, how can you start to clear some space? And how is the stress levels at home, at work, or in a long distance relationship that's going to play into it? Um, It can also be really helpful helpful if you're with your partner a lot these days and feeling pretty enmeshed to try to really take a step back and still remain curious and open with your partner and try to see them through the eyes of another or try to see their good qualities as well versus letting them get on your last nerve. So again, can the dishes be left alone? Can you put the laundry in another room just so it's out of sight? What can you do to set up the physical context of your space in order for you to be able to relax into it and be more open to experience or exploring your sexual desire. Yeah, absolutely. You were saying like vacation, like vacation sex is a thing. It's a very real thing. And like setting up your space so that you feel comfortable. And so it feels like a place that you want to be in, right? That you want to be able to relax in and then explore from there. Um, So yeah, that stuff is all important. Um, Also, I want to add, like if you're waiting for everything to be so pristine and clean and put away, like you're just not setting yourself up for success. So maybe it's just getting it out of like the eyesight for a little yeah, bit of time, out of right? the room yes yeah. yeah yeah I like that it's more Maybe realistic steps. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so there's partner characteristics and so uh, how do you feel physically about your partner do you feel attracted to your partner how do you feel about your partner's mental health um are they do they take care of themselves you know everyone has anxiety and and sadness and depression and we all come in and out of that sometimes you know some of us more than others obviously but you know, is when they're feeling upset, do they take care of themselves? Um, are they taking steps to feeling better? Do they, you know, maybe not everyone's in the best shape of their lives, but do they, do they respect their body? Do they move their body? You know, how do they feel inside their body? You know, then break it down more into, um, uh, like, physiological reactions like how do they how do you like their pheromones like do they smell good to you does that excite you um there are a lot of different aspects of your relationship with your partner that play into that you know the sexual desire and the the context of having sex and then also just the partner characteristics like what is your partner bringing to the table yeah and then communicating that to your partner too. So sometimes we all have blind spots as well. So making sure you're like, oh, I think when you do this, that I'm very, I'm very attracted to you. So then that's mm-hmm. giving your partner an opportunity to rise to the occasion as well. Good call. Yeah. It's all yeah. about communication. <laughs> Next starts in the brain. <laughs> you know, and you're touching on some other stuff there where it brings us to other life circumstances can affect your openness or willingness or sexual desire, which is like work-related stress, pandemic-related stress, family-related stress, financial stress, holidays, trying to balance and juggle everything. Burnout is real. So paying attention to other life circumstances and, you know, maybe talking to a therapist, making sure that you are staying connected to friends and family so you're not so isolated and alone. And then what can you do to try to get the stress out of your body and, you know, hugging someone, having a good cry could be helpful, working out. So just being mindful of the load that's on your plate. And even to Joe's point with everyone will come in and out of different levels of mental health or mental well-being because, you know, there's grief that people deal with. There's, you know, catastrophe or betrayals. And so I think that it's important for you to really pay attention to your level of stress and your window of tolerance to see, is there something you can put down for a little bit or 
or is there something you can do to bring your stress levels into check or take something off your plate, call in more supports and reinforcement? Like what do you need? Mm -hmm. Because if you are feeling completely burnt out and overwhelmed and maxed out, you know, you're not going to have a lot of capacity to engage with physical intimacy um, where desire will present itself. Yeah. So giving ourselves things that support the context of having sex. Exactly. And so then we're looking at things that you do. And so do you have sexual fantasies? Are they developed? Do you share them with your partner? Um, Are you incorporating novelty into the sex that you're having to create that desire uh, and intercourse? Are you working to bring like, you know, that novelty and then a new energy with your partner, like seeing them through the eyes of another, um, putting some distance there between you so that you can, you know, really try to um, like, feel that attraction to them, to be in that space of feeling desire with them. And so what are you doing to to really add to the, you know, to support the context of having sex? And so again, like examining the novelty of things, is there something new that you want to try? You know, Esther Perel says that it's not that women don't want to have sex, it's that they don't want to have the sex they're having. So, you know, incorporating fantasy, um, working on what your partner likes orally, what you might like orally. And then for intercourse, you know, is it um, the same intercourse that you've been having for the last however long? And, um, and you know, our bodies change and our desires and our fantasies can change too. So that can offer you an opportunity there to explore something novel and, um, and introduce that into your sex life too. Switch it up. It's all about novelty, the element of anticipation and surprise too, incorporating even mm-hmm. some edging. And just to your point, starting with the vulnerability and honesty to foster mm-hmm. the intimacy. And maybe that is about exploring together. What can you do to switch it up or spice it up just to get it out of the the standard monotonous scripts potentially that, you know, that worked for you for so long and created a lot of pleasure, but sometimes you just need a different stimulus. So to recap on the elements and relevant aspects of context, taking care of your mental and physical well-being, nurturing your relationship, being attentive to your environment and how that affects you, communicating to your partner what about them you desire and pay attention to your attraction towards your partner, paying attention to how to balance and process and take care of yourself when life is throwing you curveballs and it feels hard and heavy, and then also being an active participant and then things you can actually do. So what can you do to change up the energy sexually from an erotic element perspective? Yes, that's right. Awesome. Okay. Well, I, we hope that um, talking about all the different aspects and context was helpful for you because if one of those you could tackle, so maybe if it's like, okay, I really need to focus on my physical and mental well-being, or maybe I really need to start nurturing my relationship, or maybe I need to figure out how to balance my stress with everything that's going on. So if you can really narrow in and try to figure out what are some of these turnoffs and breaks to alleviate those, that's really going to set you up to have more opportunity for desire to present itself. That's right. It's a lot of different areas that you can look at just to like kind of do an assessment there for yourself and see, you know, just kind of check in with yourself and see where you're at with, you know, mental and physical well-being or partner characteristics or like life circumstances. And there might be a little bit of, um, you know, you can do some reflection there, maybe even some journaling. And yeah, just start to see if you can alter those different areas. Um, Sometimes when you make a little bit of change, then things just fall into place. You know, it it sometimes doesn't take as much work as you think it will to get where you want to be or just to kind of get the ball rolling. So, you know, kind of pick one area and just maybe get started. 
Yep. One step. That's all it takes. And if you need support, like please reach out. Therapy is always available to you. And especially now it's easier than ever to do virtual therapy and virtual sex therapy. If you are feeling stuck and just need some extra support around you. Thanks so much, Joe. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I can't yeah. wait to come back again. I oh yeah. I can't wait for you, you to come again too. Mm, okay. Bye. I love you. Love your show.